This podcast is brought to you by Seekers Hub. To listen to the rest of our shows, please visit seekershub.fm. You can also subscribe to our weekly email newsletter called Compass, where we'll send the best of Seekers Hub's content straight to your inbox every single week. To get on the list, visit seekershub.org slash compass. Assalamu alaikum. Wa alaikum How are you, Sheikh? I'm doing great, alhamdulillah. I'm happy to be here um, in Canada, our neighbors. Alhamdulillah, we're happy to have you. We're uh, here today at uh, Sayyid Khadija Center. And uh, if any of you haven't been before, you have to pay it a visit. Mashallah, it's a very, very beautiful mosque. It is. It is very, very beautiful. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. And we're joined today by our visiting scholar, Imam Siraj Wahaj, who is the Imam of Al-Taqwa Mosque in uh, Brooklyn, New York. He is one of the most senior, respected, and much-loved religious leaders in America. <laughs> Mashallah. there isn't a major Muslim community that he doesn't know or have friends in. Uh, so he's uniquely pl- placed to give us a sense of where American Muslims are at. Alhamdulillah. Okay, alhamdulillah. So, uh, Imam Siraj, given your vast network, uh, a lifetime of experience and service that you have under your belt, what are the key challenges American Muslims are contending with uh, today? You know, that's a really great question. And um, my answer actually is very, very fundamental, and that is retaining the faith. Mm-hmm. In today's khutbah, I mentioned um, in France that 64% of the people consider themselves Roman Catholic, but only mm-hmm. 4.5 actually practice. Mm-hmm. My question is, um, what percentage of Muslims are actually practicing in the United States, in Canada, in the, in the West? You know, um, one-third of the Muslim ummah live in non-Muslim countries. Mm-hmm. So you find them, you know, all throughout Europe, you find them in, in, in all over the world. Um, so we find out similar to Christianity, because the Prophet, peace and blessing be upon him, um, he predicted that you will follow those who came before you step by step and inch by inch, Mm -hmm. so that if they crawled in the hole of a lizard, you would follow follow right behind. Mm -hmm. And so uh, they said, the companions, you mean the Christians and the Jews? He said, yes, who else? Mm -hmm. So my point is, is that if the people are are leaving uh, Christianity in in great numbers, Mm -hmm. Norway, I was in Norway recently, for the first time in the history of Norway, there are more atheists than Christians. 39% of the population in Norway are atheists, mm-hmm. so, um, and 29% Christians. Mm-hmm. So the question about the Muslims, the thing that I'm concerned about, yes, we need education, we need political empowerment, those mm-hmm. kinds of things. New York City, can you guess how many Muslims in New York City? Would you like to guess? Take a guess. Upwards of a million, at least. Yeah. 1,300,000 Muslims in New York City. 35 full-time Muslim schools. Uh, Right now in New York City, um, during the two days of the Eid, all the public schools are closed. Mm -hmm. So the impact is is, is great there, but still is this concern, this nagging concern, how many Muslims are really practicing. Mm -hmm. So of the 1,100,000 call themselves Muslims, how many really practice it? Mm-hmm. So my major concern is that while we have schools, we need more schools. Mm-hmm. We have masters, over 300 masters in New York City. Mm-hmm. We, need, we need more, more in America. But we need more, not just in numbers, but more in quality. And, um, and, and by the way, this is why um, the Seekers Hub I love so much, mm-hmm. is that they're making sure that we keep this, this, um, this woman uh, educated, Mm-hmm. Um, I've, I've come to, to, de- to determine over the years that every masjid, every Islamic organization have two doors. Mm-hmm. 
<clears throat> it has a front door by which people become Muslim. Mm-hmm. Imam Siraj came to that door, Hamza Yusuf, Zaid Shakir, Suhaib Webb, Abdul Hakim mm-hmm. Quick, Abdul Hakim Jackson, Bilal Phillips. Mm-hmm. All of us came to that front door. Mm-hmm. On the one hand, but on the other hand, we have a back door by which Muslims leave the fold of Islam. Mm-hmm. So it's the job of the Muslim scholars to open wide that front door and close that back door. Mm-hmm. So right now, my biggest concern is maintaining the faith, especially our youth. Um, some of them with the challenges that we have, especially in America with Donald Trump, mm-hmm. Islamophobia and all those kind of things. We have some Muslims that are, that are losing their, their faith. Mm-hmm. So to me, that's the biggest issue. Mm-hmm. Everything else is secondary. And how do we prep our communities to sort of be ready to deal with those challenges and answer those questions? Education is always the key. Mm-hmm. And having the right knowledge and hopefully that knowledge will help us to, to become faithful. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think uh, the, the, the masjids being relevant, uh, there's a young brother, I never forget him, he, he was in Washington, D.C. Every time I came to Washington, D.C., I did a program. Him and his friends would always come to my program mm-hmm. and, um, and take me to some Muslim restaurant. We stayed mm-hmm. 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning just talking to them. So I had a good relationship with them. Mm-hmm. One of them, he moved to California and um, from Washington. Mm-hmm. He came to see me recently in my masjid. Very good young man, about 20, 21, 22 years old. He said, Imam, can I be honest with you? I said, yes. He said, I hate going to Juma prayer. Mm-hmm. I said, why? He said, Imam, it's not relevant. Mm-hmm. So we have to have not just masjids. So it's not good enough to say we have 300 masjids in New York mm-hmm. City. We have to have masjids that are relevant to everyone, mm-hmm. the youth, women, the elderly, different ethnicities, different races, different colors, different nationalities, and all of that. So, you know, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said about the Prophet, he said, Kul inni Rasulullah ilaykum jami'ah. So I am the messenger of Allah to all of you. Allah said to tell him that he is the messenger of Allah to everybody. So he is the, 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 the prophet, not just to the Arabs, but to the blacks, to the Asians, to, you know, to men, to women, everybody. So sometimes our youth is an afterthought. Mm-hmm. And our women, in some messages, some messages, women can't, I'm, I'm, still, I'm still shocked yeah. that today, that there are messages that women are not allowed, are not allowed to come in. Are you kidding me? How you not allow a Muslim woman, mm-hmm. anybody to come to the masjid? Mm-hmm. So, um, so therefore, we need to look at the masjids. Alhamdulillah, a lot of the new masjids that are building now, mm-hmm. they're building them with the youth also in mind. Yep. They have um, centers, basket, you know, not, not just basketball courts, but courts. Mm-hmm. Some, some masjids, I know, they have, they have swimming pools to attract, to attract the youth. And I see, and I think that that's critical. So those masjids have to be relevant. Those teachers have to understand the psychology yeah. of the people. Yeah. You know, the, and, you know, listen, I'm from America. So a lot of these second generation Muslims, they're Americans. Yeah. They, their parents may be Pakistani. Mm-hmm. They may be from Bangladesh. They may be Arabs. Mm-hmm. Their children are Americans. And I would say the same thing here. Yeah. In uh, in Canada, these are Canadian these are Canadian Muslims, which means that they have a different kind of a worldview. Yeah. So we have to be relevant, understand understand that. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, there's so 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 education is part of it. Tarbiyah, yeah. education that's part of it, no doubt. Yeah. But then, how do you socialize them? 
you know, in in the uh, in, in the communities, when you have ninety five percent of the Muslim children are mm-hmm. going to public school, yeah, and only twenty only five percent going to uh, a Muslim school, yeah. So we have some work to do. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, conversely, on the other hand, there's there's so many people who are, um, you know, doubting the community or, or saying that Muslims should be doing this or Muslims should be doing that, and like the climate of Islamophobia and trying to sh- sort of. Um, quiet down our identity to the best of, of their ability. And mashallah, Imam Siraj, whenever we see you, you're always smiling, you're always giving that hope to people. So how do you sort of take in these challenges and translate that into giving hope back? I think the answer is simple, but the process may be a little more difficult. Mm-hmm. It's all about faith. Mm-hmm. You know, um, it was a Muslim, I think it was from Canada. I, I, I'm, 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 I'm tossed between was he from Canada or UK. Mm-hmm. And I saw him recently after 20 years. He said, you know, Imam Siraj, what you did when we were young, you made it cool to be a Muslim. Mm-hmm. You made it cool to be a Muslim. I feel that way. I really feel that way. I mean, in other words, when, when you say, you know, optimistic, I feel exactly that way. And, and, and I think part of because of what the Prophet said, mu'min." Wondrous is the affair of the believer. No matter what happens to him, it's good. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, whether we're, whether we're patient, um, in the end, Donald Trump will make us better. In the end. It may not look like it's like, oh my goodness, Donald Trump, what are we going to do? Oh man, you know. But in the end, it, we, we're going to come out of it, inshallah, if we have faith in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Mm-hmm. And if Allah give us something good, uh, you know, we, we, we're thankful. So I, I look at um, history. And I look at the history of Islam and the history in general, and we see that Islam, the believers are going to win. Mm-hmm. I believe that. Yeah. And I think that, you know, I people know, the young brothers who know me know I like I love basketball. Yeah. I, I play basketball, you know, stuff like that. Sure. And I played for my college at New York University. Just for the record, I was a shooting guard. I was a very good shooter wow. and a tenacious <laughs> defender. I can still shoot today, right? That's amazing. <laughs> That's amazing. But let me tell you something that, that I, I learned, I studied. Um, the difference between, you take two athletes, take two basketball players. Mm-hmm. Same ability, same God-given talents, right? Um, some people have said two things you can't teach. You can't teach size, mm-hmm. right? So if a man is seven foot, he's seven foot. You mm-hmm. can't teach that. Mm-hmm. And you can't teach speed. There's one thing that we can change, and that is, you know, attitude. The difference between these two people, one is a great superstar, and the other one is ordinary. Mm -hmm. And the one who's a superstar, the main issue is confidence. Mm -hmm. It's confidence. He believes that he's great, and it shows. Mm -hmm. The other guy, he don't believe, he don't really believe in himself, and it Mm -hmm. shows. So that we have to get back the Muslim with being confident. Mm-hmm. And there's no better way to me than studying the history of Islam and studying our Prophet, peace and blessing be upon him. That's the one, that's the example, that's the one we look at. And I'm not going to be moping around uh, saying, oh, what was with me? We, no, we are, we're good, we're going to be good. And I mm-hmm. think part of it, you know, Ma'awiyah, he said, La hakima there's no real wisdom without experience. So mm-hmm. um, part of my experience is that you got to remember, I wasn't born to Muslim parents. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't until about the age of 19 that I became Muslim. So, so when I came into Islam, also came in my experience as an African-American. Yeah. 
I know what it's like to be on the bottom. Mm -hmm. um, Martin Luther King Jr. said, he who gets behind in a race must forever remain behind mm -hmm. or run faster than the man up front. So all my life I had to run faster than white people. That's what black people had to do. Mm -hmm. And so in some ways, uh, Muslims have to do the same thing. The difference is Muslims in United States, I'm, I'm sure Canada is the same way, and many European countries, we are, uh, and a great percentage of us are on a higher level economically, uh, educationally. You've got so many Muslims who uh, go to college and graduate from college, have high income, and you know, mm -hmm. homeowners and things like that. Mm -hmm. Still not enough. Mm -hmm. But so, so, so the Muslims we see, so my point is, is that I came from uh, a, a society where black people were pushed back. Mm -hmm. But now, I'm a Muslim, now that I know. I know the Quran, alhamdulillah, I know, you know what the Prophet has taught us. How can I be down? How can I be, you know, you know, um, hang my head? No, this is, this is Islam. It ain't about me. It's about us. It's about Islam. It's about Allah uh, guiding us and the Prophet Muhammad Wasallam guiding us. Yeah, no, for sure. And I think, I, I mean, it, it shows in your in your focus. And, and mashallah, you lead the, the Muslim Alliance of, of North America. And uh, unlike many other Muslim organizations, the focus there is community work and is grassroots work. Um, so I'm, I'm hoping to hear a little bit more from you as to why you took that approach as opposed to, um, you know, just teaching or, or preaching, I guess, to, to, to people. I've, I've always of the opinion that um, all of the above. Mm -hmm. We need everybody. Mm -hmm. We have some, some people, like Sheikh Ahmedida, Rahimullah, um, good, beloved friend of mine mm -hmm. who lived in South Africa. He focused on da'wah. He didn't focus on community building. Mm -hmm. right? I, I know um, some people who, who focus on, for instance, um, political development. We have in the United States two Muslim congressmen. Mm -hmm. A number of those who are running for Congress, a number of them in local politics, you know, um, assembly, councilmen, state and local areas. So we, we doing, we're doing pretty good. We have a lot of Muslim business people that are doing, that are doing well mm -hmm. in business, right? Someone has to focus on community building. Mm -hmm. So we decided, uh, you know, I just think it was like a natural development mm -hmm. um, because how can, you, how can you be effective without a jama'ah? Mm. Without community, yeah. so um, so from day one, my orientation has always been uh, focus on on community. So so not only do I focus on community in my own my own area, but around the country, with Manor, the Muslim Alliance of North America, mm. trying to, to to focus on community and to work with organizations like ICNA, Islamic Circle of North America, Islamic mm. uh, Society of North America. Um, um, mass mm -hmm. Muslim American society and all these different organizations, but the key to me is community. Mm -hmm. You know, you gotta yeah. have that community. Yeah, and I, I mean, community work is is in of itself difficult. It's it's challenging, and it requires uh, understanding people at a I, I think a different level. Um, so I'm wondering, for someone who's done it for decades and who's done it in in you know Brooklyn, which is a very very specific uh, space with its own sort of requirements and stuff. Um, what were some of the key milestones that you think uh, you were part of your, your you know, journey? Something, let me tell you something about my, my community, yeah. which is interesting. We started about 34 years ago. Mm -hmm. And uh, 
it was 25 of us, 100% African Americans. Right? Fast forward. Our average is Juma, like 1,300 people. Now the African Americans in my community, maybe 25%. So that means 75% in my community, African American imam, are immigrant. So we find them, uh, we got a good percentage from Bangladesh, Egypt, um, and other Arab countries, Sudan, um, Guinea, uh, Senegal. So we have a nice mixture. So we have almost like probably 40 nationalities or more. Wow. So what happened, I learned that in the beginning, I'm giving the khutbah relevant for the people that I'm talking to. Mm-hmm. But as other ethnicities came, other cultures came, mm-hmm. I had to broaden it now because mm-hmm. I want to be relevant to everybody. Yeah. So once I, I remember I had a, um, had a meeting, a dinner, with those Muslims in our community from Bangladesh. Mm-hmm. So I said, you know what, I'm the imam here. And a couple of things I did. I had, I had a dinner just saying, so what you see, what you need, um, how, can, how can we better serve you, your constituency? That's one thing. The other thing is that um, as I began to reflect um, the diversity in our community, so I, I began to bring other people on the board who reflected our population. Yeah, so it began to expand. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the other thing is that Experience, you know, happens when you when you really love and care about people, mm-hmm. then you see, see the, the interesting thing when we make prayer in our masjid mm-hmm. five times a day. On the average, you know, we're going to get maybe three hundred people some salats, mm-hmm. and it's like invariably it's going to take me a minute to get from the prayer to my office mm-hmm. because two, three, or four brothers are going. To, I was like, hey, ma'am, you know, I'm, you know, so you get to know people and you get to know. Um, the needs of the community. Mm-hmm. As an imam, then now you have to use that knowledge not just to help the individual people, but to help the collective. Mm-hmm. So it's the experience mm-hmm. um, that I'm getting from the people that help me to navigate our, our, our community. Yeah, for yeah. sure. And do you think that diversity, to, to a lot of people, that diversity translates into some form of um, political power or political sway to a Their masjids... There are masjids um, in the States, United States, 100% certain ethnicity, mm. right? There's a, I'll give you an example. There's a masjid in the Bronx. New Yorkers have five boroughs. One of them is called the Bronx. 100% people from Bangladesh. Mm-hmm. Yet they have this internal struggle to fight for leadership. Mm. I can give you, all across America, dozens of that case. Yeah. So yeah. this this infighting... Allah has blessed us so far. It hasn't happened. 34 years I've been the imam. They haven't gotten rid of me yet. Uh, and, um, and because I cater to everyone. They know that I'm not, I may be African-American, but I'm not the African-American imam, if you know what I mean. I'm not mm. just for the yeah. African-Americans. Yeah. I'm for the, uh, for the entire jamaat. Every one of them is significant. Um, so I think um, you have certain infighting in every community. Mm. You know, it's a struggle. But I think, uh, number one, you have to have the right organization structure. Mm, yeah, right? Yeah. Who's in charge? Yeah. A lot of masjids, you ask the question, who's in charge? Some people, sometimes they don't know. If you ask 1,300 people in Masjid Atak, who's in charge? 1,300 will say Imam Saraj. It's not like, oh, well, you know, yeah. I'm, you know I'm not sure. Now, give me an example. Um, there was a masjid in Brooklyn. I call it the Imam Killer. Mm-hmm. It's masjid, the imams don't last long. 
I mean, the average imam lasts less than one year. Wow. Yeah. One one brother named Muhammad, may Allah bless him, from Yemen, he's the, he, the longest, I think, was imam like two years, which is like unheard of in that message, right? Yeah. Well, they hired an imam. He's an alum, he's a scholar. Mm-hmm. He was um, hafiz of Quran. I mean, he knew his stuff. Mm-hmm. They hired him. He gave a khutbah. And in the khutbah, he mentioned he was condemning uh, those Muslims who have businesses and sell things like pork mm-hmm. and alcohol. Mm-hmm. It just so happened people on the board mm-hmm. had stores that sold pork and alcohol. So after he gave this khutbah, they brought him into the office. They said, Imam, don't give this khutbah again. Mm-hmm. Next week, he gave the same exact khutbah. So they find him on the spot. So you have that kind of, you know, all this this rivalry across the country. Who's yeah. in charge, the imam or the board? Yeah. And um, the board disrespecting the imam mm. and, and those kinds of things. So that power play, it exists. People mm. have in their heart to be leader. They want to be the leader. Mm. It's a sickness. Mm. It's a sickness. And um, for, for me, it's like... I'm doing this because I have to do it, meaning that they want me to do it. The moment they say, Imam Siraj, thank you, Jazakallah, you did good. You did good for 34 years, mm-hmm. and I see you later. I'm saying, Allahu Akbar, and I go about my business. But I ain't, you know, I'm not, I'm not hung up on being the leader. Yeah. It's a big job, but when you understand it, it's a big responsibility. Yeah. And, and I mean, being a leader of, of such a huge community, mashallah, um, Within the larger community in the United States and I, I guess in North America as well, and, and how are you viewing the role of the Muslim community um, in the political sphere, in uh, the civil unrest? Especially um, that you said, you know, you're you're a U.S. native. You've seen things progress from the '60s. Malcolm a X, good friend of mine, that. a good friend of mine, Sister Linda Sasso. You must have heard of her. Yeah, yeah. Dynamo. Yes. Also. She's not just from America. Yeah. She's not just from New York. She's from Brooklyn. Yeah. Yeah. So that's my that's my partner. <laughs> she, I know, um, is going to run for political office. Mashallah. Yeah, yeah, that's great Pro- to hear. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm I'm surprised. I I assume everybody knew, but then I realized that everybody don't know. She was one of the major organizers of that of that protest the day after the inauguration. Inauguration, inauguration of, of of Donald Trump. Did you hear about it? Yeah, the woman's woman, yeah. yeah, she is a co-chair. Yeah, yeah, sure. yeah, yeah. So people like her, and there's others. Mm-hmm. There are so many that are involved politically. Um, uh, that so we're doing that. Mm-hmm. We're doing pretty good. Um, yeah. We we are in the sporting world. That mashallah, the number of Muslims in sports is, is amazing. Mm-hmm. You must have heard of Ibtihaj Muhammad. Yeah, for sure. Right, right, yeah, right. Yeah. She and she's a good friend of ours. Um, and she spoke at our 30 year anniversary. Her, uh, there's a sister in Memphis named uh, Bilkis Abdulqadir. She's a, basketball, a prolific basketball player, one of the best. Uh, uh, she couldn't play somewhere because of hijab. Yeah. yeah. So that she sat out until now they approved it. Mm-hmm. So I got a chance to meet her. So you got Muslims in the sporting world. You have people like Hakeem Olajuwon. Let me tell you something. His, his legacy continues. One of the greatest basketball players ever. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you know about NBA Yes. That, yeah, yeah. You know about basketball. Yes. Really? Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, the funny thing about it, there's a there's a basketball player named Walt Fraser. He he mm-hmm. plays for the New York Knicks. Used to be my favorite team. He's a um, Hall of Famer. He's very very well known. Um, he was doing a a, a radio interview, mm-hmm. and he said, "Did you know Hakeem Olajuwon?" This is years ago. He said, "You know Hakeem Olajuwon is a Muslim." 
And during the month of Ramadan, it's a month called Ramadan. He's educating. He's not a Muslim. Mm -hmm. He's educating the people. He said, you know, he fasts during the month of Ramadan. And it's been proven that when he fasts, he scores more points, gets more rebounds and more blocks. That's amazing. Yeah. So he, now, even though he's retired, um, some of the best basketball players like LeBron James, uh, Howard, um, Howard, Dwight Howard, came to um, uh, um, Olajuwon's camp in Houston. He trains them. Wow. So even today, he's still training people now. The, the Houston Rockets used to play for one, two championships. They hired him now. He's also one of the coaches and helping to train. So we have a lot of Muslims in, in the sporting world. You remember Muhammad Ali yeah. and Mike Tyson. I don't know if you know Mike yeah. Tyson was yeah. Muslim. And, and there's a lot, a lot of football players. Yeah. So we're there. Um, so we're doing pretty good integrating to the society. Mm -hmm. But again, the thing that we have to focus on, because I want to make sure that they're not just playing basketball, but mm -hmm. that they're Muslims. Yeah. Uh, also, what's that sister name? Um, Muhammad, she won the hurdles and and the uh, she won the gold. Oh yes, yeah, Sarah. Uh, Sarah. Huh? I think her name was Sarah. No, if you I, I, if you say the name, I don't know. But her last name is Muhammad. I know her father. Her father's an imam in New York City, so so I know her. Mm -hmm. um, so we have that, but we want to make sure that not only are they participating mm -hmm. in athletics, but they're Muslims. Mm -hmm. See, we want our Muslim yeah. children to look and see these role models. So you know, Hakim Elijah was a great role model. Right, Mahmoud Abdurraouf. Yes, yeah. uh, and he took a very intense stance. When he took that stand, I remember where I was. I was in New York. He played for the Sacramento um, Kings, I think. Mm -hmm. And when he made the announcement, I told my secretary to book a flight. I was going to go there just to stand with him. Wow. But alhamdulillah, they made an agreement. Mm -hmm. But then after that, really, they, they blackboard him out of the NBA. Yeah. It's, it's clear. Yeah. Yeah. But he's a stand-up guy. He's a very beautiful brother. Um, I see him from time to time. We, we, we are, we're in different conferences together. So, But now the thing is, are they religious? Mm. Are they keeping their dean? Because to me, all the other stuff don't matter. Mm -hmm. If you're a great basketball player, so what? If you're Michael Jordan, I don't know if you know Michael Jordan. Yeah, for sure. For sure. <laughs> if you're Michael Jordan, so what? Yeah. Then then what? In the end of the day, what did you contribute? You did good. I'm glad you're a great basketball player, but you didn't help anyone's life. Mm. So to me, it's like, okay, man, we got to... And I forgot to mention Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Of course. Yeah, yeah of course. Um, but Imam Siraj, we've, we've spoken about basketball so much. I have to ask you, Cavs or Warriors... For the, for the final season. Oh, come on. I mean, she, you should ask me that question before. Had you asked me before the first game, mm -hmm. I would have said the Warriors, and I was saying I was hoping that the Cavs would win one game. Mm -hmm. I don't think they're going to even win one game. Yeah, I think they're when they lost the other day, uh, three to nothing, yeah. no one comes back three to nothing. Yeah. Um, and the Warriors are hungry. Yeah. They want to be the team that wins 16 playoff games with no losses. Yeah. I think it's going to happen. I think... Actually, this last game, uh, I think they play. I think they play tonight. I think uh, today's Friday. Yeah, I think Friday. they play tonight. If not, I, I could be wrong. Yeah. I think the Cavs. I want. Don't get me wrong. I want the Cavs to win. Just for the record, <laughs> I want the Cavs to win. One record, right? But I think they get blown out tonight. Yeah. With, yeah. Because the game that they lost, they were winning in the last two minutes. And to to lose that game was devastating. You can see the whole um, the whole arena suck the air out of them because they're playing in Cleveland. Yeah. And I think that they 
So you asked me, it's too easy a question. <laughs> it's like I have a, a, a you know, I have a bait, I have a bat, mm-hmm. and you take the ball and you just throw like that. It just let me just knock it over the fence. Yeah, that's yeah. no, that's no, that's not a. You should ask me, uh, how much does Cleveland lose by? <laughs> that's a more, yeah. that's a more relevant question than uh, yeah. who wins the series. Yeah. Hello, <laughs> huh? <laughs> who wins the series? Are you kidding me? <laughs> You were just you were just that was a joke, right? <laughs> yes. I just I just wanted to see who you would have favored. Oh, the, yeah. that's a different question. Yeah. My favorite is Cleveland. Is, is the captain? I don't think anybody can beat the Cavs. This may happen in a couple of years. They have I mean this this guy Kevin Durant Durant. I don't like what he did. He joined. Yeah. Cavs were already great. I mean the uh, Warriors were already great. Yeah. Now you one of the best basketball players. You join them. Yeah. You leave Oklahoma. And you join, use a, I don't want to say it. <laughs> <It's okay. laughs> um, I, I think to, to, to wrap up, and I, one of, I guess my last question for you is something that we've spoken about um, as an underlying theme to, to, to most of, of your answers uh, today, and that was the pursuit of sacred knowledge and, and its importance. Um, so I want to ask, is that an end in of itself, or is that a means to something bigger? Both. And it's both. It's like the same thing with Ramadan, right? Mm-hmm. So, so he asked the question: Is Ramadan an end or means to end? It's both, because in mm-hmm. other words, on the end of the day, um, Allah Subhanahu wa Taala is going to judge us. Did we fast in the month of Ramadan? He's going to give us a big reward. Inshallah, that's the whole, right? Mm-hmm. And on the other hand, Allah said, "Kutiba alaykum usiyam kama kutiba aladin min qablikum laalukum tatakum." So fasting is prescribed for you, so that. You get God consciousness. Mm-hmm. So you want to get something out of it. So either is Ramadan an end to itself or, or is it is it a is a launching pad? Mm-hmm. And I would say both of them, mm-hmm. for instance, right? Yeah. You go to the airport, book a flight from New York to Chicago. Mm-hmm. So you're in LaGuardia Airport in New York. You get on the plane mm-hmm. and you sit in the plane for two hours. The plane don't move. Mm-hmm. After two hours sitting on the plane, you get up, you get off the plane, and you go about your business. Doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. The objective is not to get on get on the plane. Mm-hmm. The objective is for the plane to fly you somewhere, to take you somewhere. Mm-hmm. So this sacred knowledge, you know, what's the end game? So you got it. You're Hafiz Quran now. You got all this film. Now what? Mm-hmm. Okay, you use it on yourself. Good. Your family, good. What about the others? So um, the real uh, test, if you would, of the knowledge or the real um, uh, analysis of the knowledge is what you did with it. Now, I mentioned last night at the IFTAR, people like Malcolm, people like myself, right? We have a little bit, I dare say, you know, in comparison with the students who who are studying this, this knowledge, we have a little bit compared to what they know. Mm-hmm. If you put a, a scale on, on, on the knowledge, mm-hmm. they would win. Mm-hmm. But we take the little bit that we have, Malcolm, mm-hmm. myself, and others take the little bit that we have and do a lot with it. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. the effect of how people are affected mm-hmm. um, by, by what we share, it's, you know, only Allah knows mm-hmm. to the degree. But it's it's useful knowledge, and this is why we make the du'a: Allahumma inna al-bikam min ilman la yanfa'u. I seek refuge with you from knowledge that doesn't benefit. Mm-hmm. So it has to benefit us. It has to benefit people. If it ain't benefiting people, at the end of the day, you're talking. But mm-hmm. 
What's, yeah. what's the point? So what would be your advice to folks who are beginning this journey? Um, and, you know, it takes patience and it takes perseverance. And sometimes it's just very easy to let go or to get busy with other things in life. So what would be your advice? It all depends on how, you know, your own objective. I mean, mm -hmm. if I had a burning desire to, um, I just, I told somebody what I do, mm -hmm. this is my dream job. Mm. I love going to work. I love going to the masjid every day. It's like, oh God, I got to the masjid. No, it's like there are people I know in their job that can't they can't can't stand their job. They're there for a paycheck, mm. right? So um, I love playing basketball. Anyone would love to play professional basketball. They get paid a lot of money. Yeah. Like LeBron James make like thirty million dollars a year. Yeah. Would you like to make thirty million dollars? Of course. And he and, and he loved it. They love it's a game. Yeah. Right? So for me, what I do is so rewarding. Mm -hmm. Imams in New York don't get paid much, I'll be honest with you. I don't know about Imams in Canada. Imams and if you wanna if you wanna make money, you don't become an Imam. Yeah. Right? And I suspect they make more here, but I don't know how much I don't know how much. So it's gotta be something that you love to do. Mm -hmm. I just love it. Um, so I think when I when I teach like a seminar, I do seminars. Before I give one lesson, I ask the question: Why are you here? Why are you taking this seminar? Why are you taking this training? When I went to Mecca in 1978, I remember uh, we were at the University um, um, the um, uh, King Abdulaziz University now in Korea. There was a um, a track next to the masjid. I used to walk to the masjid every day, hour or maybe even two before Fajr. Mm. I would walk in the dark. I was going to the masjid so often, they gave me a key to the masjid. So I would open up the masjid every day. I go there and I would read and recite and whatever, um, pray. Um, and then after Fajr prayer, there was a brother there who would sit down with me, we read the Quran together. After that, I would go outside and I would, I would run around the track. And as I was running around the track, I, I saw myself training when I get back to America. Mm. That I'm going to go and teach what I learned. Everything I learned in that training, I taught when I went back to my master. Everyone. Uh, everything. Um, and so the key is, why are you studying? Why you why you want to go to Seekers Hub? Why? Mm -hmm. If you just want knowledge, okay, fine, fine, okay. I'm not telling. I'm not telling you you have to be a die or anything like that. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying you have to do any of that. I just want to know beforehand what you want to do. If you're serious about having an impact in in Toronto or in Canada or in America, if if that's your if that's your objective, Allah will bless you to do that. And then you then you learn because I had a desire to help. But I couldn't really help the way I could until I learned more. Mm. So, and I, I think that I would focus on the very, very beginning. I would try to encourage people that, listen, you're not just, you know, to show off. Mm -hmm. So you got all this knowledge. So now what? But to put it to use. Mm -hmm. yeah. 
Thank you so much for sharing your uh, knowledge, your experience, and uh, your basketball experience with us. <laughs> thank you. Uh, it's much appreciated. Thank and you so uh, much. thank you to Sayyid Khadija Sanjar for hosting us. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to this Seekers Hub podcast. Our goal is to raise $75,000 in monthly donations to build a global Islamic seminary so that dedicated students all over the world can complete their journeys and become Islamic scholars. You can help them by becoming a monthly donor at seekershub.org slash donate.